Welcome to the Precision Unloaded Podcast, episode 31, the last one for 21. Great year it's been, full of fun and exciting travels. Well, not really. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> this is brought to you by Father Christmas. He's our sponsor this week, because um, we couldn't dredge up anyone else. and We're not witty enough, so there we go. Anyway, it'll give you something to listen to while your in-laws are annoying the crap out of you on Christmas Day, and you can sneak out to the car and burn away an hour or something to avoid them. Uh, how are you, Graham? I'm good. That was quite possibly the worst joke you've ever done in the history of the podcast. What was the joke? Sponsored by Santa. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, hello oh, yeah. hello everyone. Welcome along to our, uh, our Christmas special, let's call it that. Um, um, <laughs> this episode is more, uh, we, we noticed we've been, we've been talking about a lot about comps lately and because we've been shooting a lot of competitions so we're going to split it up so before we do the episode on Bowers Valley which some of you may be may be waiting for we're going to uh, talk a little bit about a few hunting trips um, I doubt it well one or two might be waiting probably just Simon um, and Jeff and yeah so the both Mark and I have recently been on um, two separate uh, trips um, and so we'll just sort of have a, talk a bit of shit talk about um what we're hunting what we used because i know there's um, a few different types of rifles and yeah just to catch up and um like mark said something for you to listen to if you have nothing else to do um, but anyway so what have, well what have, before we talk about the trips mark any uh, any new items come in maybe that's a new segment is what did mark andrews buy in the last fortnight so mark take it away what did you buy in the last <laughs> fortnight no, no, it's all it's all sponsored product. Not. Uh, what did I get? Well, some Greek fifty caliber ammunition arrived, so it was good. Is so that we're back in? Is that ball ammo, like just military ball? FM, uh, FMJ, sorry, yeah. Look, no, it sort of looks like a hollow point, or they've just got a saw and hack the tip off it, sort of hollow point <laughs> looking thing. So, yep. Um, came in a lovely steel container, <clears throat> uh, eighty rounds of. Hellishly expensive, but quite quite affordable. Nine dollars a round. Ooh, ouch. Anyway, it'll give us something to blow shit up with and test out. So, and then uh, a good friend of mine dropped off some seven fifty grain Amax projectiles and brass that I brought off him. So, thank you, Jeff. Um, so that's good. It's amazing how big those projectiles are, actually. So, actually, uh, this is probably should be off podcast, but I think it's all good. Mm. We have the press sorted, or at least we have permission to steal it. So we're going to be eventually developing a handload for the fifty for Mark, just because obviously components are, are sorry loaded mm. ammo is hard to get. That's long range quality, and it's very expensive. Um, oh, I, though he doesn't have dies, so we're going to have to get some dies. But I, I know there's. Um, Dies aren't too hard to get. Um, anyway, so yeah, okay. So carry easy on with your, with your story. So that arrived. So that's good. So we're, we've got back supplies of ammunition again. Um, what else? A two-two-three training gun arrived. So that's a Hauer medium barrel, probably. Mini action. Uh, yeah. Mini action. Two-two-three. Yeah, and a TSPX chassis. So the uh, Stradium chassis uh so yeah no it's and it's got an element helix 4 to 16 on it which i'm not super excited about although i was looking down a carlos and then it so it sort of yeah did make it seem um less budget underwhelming that is too rather from one extreme to the other isn't it (laughs) yeah anyway so Sighted that in and ding-donged out the dongs out to about uh, 500 metres with it, so it's fine. I uh, just got a sort of a suppressor, so it's uh, good. And I actually managed to fit, I had a Corbwell carbon fibre M-lock bipod. It's pretty crappy, but it's um, got a home anyway, because it was an M-lock one, so it fits underneath nicely. So that'll keep that little unit. I might put the strike eagle on it, I think. As a practice gun, yeah, probably be better off with a five to twenty-five type thing. What do you think? Well, I think if you don't want the helix, I'll, I'll buy the helix off you because I quite like them. Um, 
Uh, do you want that much power on it for a, a two D three trainer? Five twenty five. That's fair. That's fair. Um, no, I just want it to be the same as power range and everything in dolls. Yeah, most of the features on the scope are the same size, I suppose. I don't know. It just mm. makes it seem. Um, yep, I just hope it. I haven't really fully dialed it in, but uh, that seventy-five grand ammo is crawling along at two thousand six hundred and thirty odd feet per second or something. So, um, doesn't seem to hate it so far, but we'll see. I've got a lot of it to get through, so better bloody like it. Um, then my fell off the back of a truck was a 6.5 PRC Ruger Precision Rifle Gen 3 turned up. So it's a good 26 inch barrel. Um, chucked the K525i on it, so that's good. And sighted in and tested out through the gongs, 260, my weird distances, 455 and then 500 and then had one shot at the 740 and hit it pretty central so I was like well that's a good start. I'm trying, I can't really fire a lot of ammo because it's so scarce, I'm sort of just rationing it a bit to make it last until I can get some more so for that. But no I'm impressed with it, recall's pretty low. Um, on the day I was setting up a 300 wind mag for a friend, a Sour 100 stainless is it? Yeah, the sort of more recent, they're not the Cerakoted ones. So it's a, it's a nice rifle, it's got a V4 6-24 on it, Zeiss scope, um, which is really nice glass, it's good scope and suits that gun well I thought. Um, you know, all the usual double stack mags. Anyway, recoil wise, pretty substantial. Um, and then he jumped on the PRC, which is a lot heavier gun, obviously. And it's next to nothing comparatively. Yeah. So, so that's good. I'm um, happy with that. Comes with two nine round mags. So it's all ready to go. And the four end's got an Arca slot ground into it. So. It sits nicely on the tripod. Yeah, that's without cool. adding another rail. Yeah, that's so cool. it's good. Yeah, it's awesome. So, so I'm just working out whether I swap out the um, the factory brake on it for a suppressor because I've got one that will fit it as the same thread. So, on my uh, on my one of my six fives. Yeah. Well, I hope you do because I hardy one. I bought a suppressor for the PRC I'm using. <laughs> no, no, I'm going. I, I thought. Yeah. If you're going to do, I don't know, a Teams thing with it or whatever at some stage, then you probably want, probably be preferable to be both suppressed as long as the guns doesn't give them too much more recoil or whatever, but I think it will be yeah. fine. So what Mark's touching on there is, and we're going to cover it um, probably in a month or so, is we, from some learnings from, well, observations, anyway, for some upcoming Teams matches we're going to be shooting, we've decided to at least trial... 6.5 PRCs um, rather than like the 338s or or the 6.5 Creeds we're, we're playing around with the idea of, of, of shooting somewhere in the middle um, but yeah again we're going to talk a bit more about that later so I have got in a SOUR 100 um, field shoot which is again 6.5 PRC uh, it's like a varmint contour barrel um, it's quite a uh, a very European tactical take on a on a, on a modern stock. It's um, it's a laminate, but it's quite edgy looking. Again, you can see pictures of it up on the uh, Instagram and Facebook. But yeah, same bit different. Um, uh, yeah, and so again, we're going to be playing with those uh, in the next six months, hopefully in a few in a few comps. But that's a topic for another day. And to be fair, I don't think some, we've played with them enough to offer too many opinions yet. No, um, some say it looks like a varnished piece of driftwood stock but something that's you 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 say these things oh okay yeah <laughs> um but i did take that rifle and do a bit of hunting so that um we can talk about it in, in that respect but um yeah uh obviously otherwise we're out of things to talk about so this topic anyway uh topic hunting yes. hunting so uh, well i should say 
our our the way we hunt our version of hunting is probably a bit different from other people but um uh, yeah so it's not your traditional um Rohini's bush stalk um it's a bit more open there's stuff. no such thing as traditional it's whatever you want to do it doesn't matter okay there you go it's from the horse's mouth so we'll, we'll start off i'll probably talk about mine first because yours is probably a little bit more interesting um <laughs> involving helicopters and um for a few less deer so so we uh we went south to oh, i guess uh, pretty much the boundary of um taranaki and wanganui on a property a friend's uh, family property so again private land stuff um about six thousand acres a lot of it in pines and the properties surrounding it don't do any pest control and for those of you who are familiar with the wanganui region especially the steeper areas of it it's um it's rather infested with fallow deer and uh, reasonable numbers so again the properties around aren't doing pest control and um so we get to sort of go out there a couple of times a year get the invite and um uh, fill up the freezer normally we try to do one before christmas or in the new year or something um we're pretty, doing that pretty much solid for the last five or six years so jeff who you've heard on here multiple times from the gun rack um he finally got released from auckland so he um we actually met up at mark's place first and did a bit of um shooting <laughs> sounds like you got released from primarimo <laughs> he would never last and um to be oh, fair, he's way too nice. Yeah, no. His hands are too soft but to released, go to jail. Released from Auckland. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, he, he came he come south. We went to Mark's. He actually shot the Bowers Valley Course of Fire a couple weeks after we originally did the match. We left it up for him. Um, again, that's, that's another topic. So then we, we, we um, jumped in and jetted down to Wanganui. And um, the goal of this trip for me anyway, obviously for Jeff it was just to get out of the city and fill the freezer and, and hang out with the guys and do a bit of shooting. But for me, the main goal was to, um, you know, hunt a fallow deer with a muzzle loader. Now, this is probably like the polar opposite of what people are used to on this um, podcast and and all the social stuff in general that we do. Um, but we did we did take the PRC as well. But so the goal was, um, you know, try getting close and, and uh, take a deer with this uh, rather primitive form of, of firearm. Um, so the rifle, it's a Parker Hale replica of a Patton 1858 two-band Enfield. So um, for those New Zealand listeners, which is the majority of you, um, that's what was one of the rifles used in the land wars um, uh, on the Crown side and then uh, most likely used by uh, Iwis as well. Uh, when they captured um, uh, rifles. So, again, muzzleloader, iron sights, um, shooting a 500 gram bullet at um, what I'm guessing is about 1,100 feet per second. Um, I was pretty good. Like in Prone, I could sort of print maybe a 5 to 6 inch group at 100 meters, So, which sounds ridiculous, but when it comes to iron sights and, and percussion guns, that's that, I didn't think that was that bad. So... I sort of set myself a, a rough um, max range of 100 metres. You know, I probably would have stretched um, maybe 20, 30 metres over if I had to, but the goal was to be ideally inside 100 metres. Um, so I actually got there a couple of hours before Jeff. <coughs> and so Leon and I, we we, we, um, uh, we soon just got into it and we went for a walk and um, I had actually seen some in a spot earlier that day that he thought might work out well so we 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 missioned up and walked maybe 30 minutes and sure enough i see a deer Uh, well i can see it the grass is very long at this time of year so the deer are all coming out of the bush into this nice sweet um, fresh grass and i see a backbone of something and i sort of hesitated and thought oh is it a i don't want to shoot a goat right or maybe it's a pig and i sort of look back at leon and think oh there's something sort of whispered to him something just there and I was about 100 metres away and I wouldn't have been able to shoot it prone but I, I would have been able to got a kneeling shot away and I sort of I thought I'd duck into the trees to the left and blah 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 but anyway the deer the deer soon um, caught on and um, just ran off so um, uh, again I've, I've had this <laughs> I've talked about it several times this year but um, being a bit indecisive and slow when it comes to um taking a shot uh, whereas to be fair I, I could have hit it kneeling um 
but anyway I was, I was a bit ticked off at myself this thing ran off and uh we didn't see anything else in muzzleloader range you know you, you see a deer 400 meters up on a face somewhere there's not a lot of um chance yeah, with the muzzleloader so we went back and we um we actually spotted a couple a bit further out and i had the prc later on but by the time i got uh set up and um dialed in they they buggered off so end of uh, that evening for me anyway i was i was sort of uh, wandering around my tail between my legs having um not shot anything so um i've got a t-shirt idea though do you what's the t-shirt oh it's awesome yeah Hunting with Graham, decisive, indecisive, and slow. That's the tagline. Okay, well, okay. If anyone wants that shirt, just uh, leave a comment, and <clears throat> we'll get you one. Um, Thirty nine yeah. ninety nine. <laughs> um, anyway, and so yeah, and then we um, we'll, we'll pay you. We'll pay you. Yeah, we'll pay you to wear it. Yeah. Uh, um, so we so we ended up heading back to the uh, quarters, and um, and we noticed a backpack hanging on the side of the road. And, we figured Jeff would already be there, and he's he's been up there hunting before. And sure enough, he'd left the bag hanging um, to indicate to us to stop because he'd um, he'd shot two spikers uh, shivers, not not even maybe a four five hundred meters, maybe a little bit further from the accommodation. So we went up the hill, and um, I'm not going to say I helped, but Leon helped and gutted out the other deer, and we dragged him down the hill. And um, so he, yeah, again he'd turned up, he'd gone for a walk, and he'd walked all of five minutes and he'd shot two deer so essentially doing what i hoped to do myself with the muzzleloader he'd done um straight away as soon as he got there um he's shooting his uh, tk 6555 quite a sort of a nice basic setup um bdc scope he's pretty handy with it actually yeah so anyway so jeff was uh he'd already shot a few deer and and um and so i sort of was thinking man what's the am i going to get anything with this muzzleloader so we Next morning, I woke up about quarter to six, and you know, just um, got ready out the door at six. And again, Jeff, um, being from Auckland, he used to make coffee before he can function. So I, I wandered off before he was ready to go, and um, again, just took the muzzle loader. About ten a.m. About ten a.m. probably for Jeff. Yeah, Aucklanders are classically late to everything, um, as, as Michael pointed mm. out. <laughs> and um, I wandered up and. Actually, funny enough, where Jeff had seen his deer, uh, sorry, shot his deer just below there, I spotted a um a nice yeah, yellow-skinned um, fellow spiker. And normally in this this area, we shoot very little um, lighter-skinned deer. They're mostly um, uh, chocolate color or, or something along those lines, gray. Um, so I thought, oh, this would be good. And I, I managed to sort of he wasn't paying attention and it was about, I was about 300 meters away. So I managed to close the gap up along the edge of the bush and he wandered up the hill and went out of sight. And so I was thinking, yeah, this will work. And then I got around the corner to where he should have been. And I couldn't quite see him. So I started slowly walking up the hill and he just, obviously he was aware of me. And so he ran out and happily hopped in front of me and ran off into the bush. And I actually yelled at him as, you know, whistled at him and, he stopped, but just out of sight. I could just see his tail. And anyway, so that turned to shit. <laughs> he yelled at him. I can imagine. Oh, stop. Hey, oh, please oh. stop. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, so I was thinking, fuck, you know, again. And so off I, I carry on further up and um, I see another couple, but out of range. With sort of no real easy way of getting to them. And I end up wandering to the same spot uh, that I hesitated on the one the day before. And sure enough, there was another deer standing shit within maybe a couple of meters of um of of the one the day before different deer this one was a uh a significantly um, anyway it was a different deer so i um i managed to sort of he had his head down in long grass and i managed to sort of use the terrain and get to about 20 meters and i indecisively indecisively no i was a bit i was a bit more ready to go this time you know and obviously like it's not like a bolt gun where you got to load up like your muzzle loader's it's ready to bloody go because you, <laughs> if you loaded before a deer was there you you know it takes uh, 30 seconds or whatever yeah. and so i um i just standing shot and um he he was sort of head down neck forward and i i took the shot and obviously you get a big cloud of smoke and sparks and shit go over and he reared up backwards fell over backwards and there's a, it's like a, an old fence, maybe 
10 metres behind him. He just got up, ran as fast as he could at the fence, fell over. And I thought, yeah, that's good. That He's fucked. And then then he got up dizzily. And I was like, oh, here we go. Because obviously I've got a muzzle loader. I can't just, like if I had a 223 or the PRC, I could have just quickly shot him, you know, again. <laughs> he, he sort of wanders around the corner of the hill, not very far. And I'm thinking, oh, flip, you know. So I managed to reload this muzzle loader in about 10 seconds. I spill half the powder on the ground because I've, I've sort of got pre-measured vials and stuff in a pouch and load it up. And I come around the corner and it's, sit, it's sitting down and just with its head sort of half up, you know. So I I shot it in the head and that's all good. And then Jeff turns up. He turns out he was not far behind me. Um, and I, kind of, I pull this thing up and obviously I've put a nice big hole through his head and into his neck and but I'd actually the initial shot what had happened is I'd um I'd shot slightly forward of the shoulder through the brisket his neck was down so his bugger but it had um it had gone through and it had broken the shoulders at the front and it turns out it actually shredded his lungs um so he was buggered anyway I didn't need to shoot him again but I wasn't going to risk um chasing him off um downhill you know I'm he could go a long way down. So, um, yeah, so probably unnecessary the second shot um, and probably the fastest muzzle muzzle loader reload in the history that I know of. But, um, yeah, so Jeff turned up, which is cool, helped me drag him up um, and we gutted him out. And Jeff and I are probably both pretty average at dressing, sort of, you know, um, gutting animals. And so, but we, we got it done and um, normally someone like you are there or Leon's there and they can gut an animal and... Um, about 10 seconds flat but it probably took me about 10-15 minutes and um yeah and then we um Jeff had, had said to me actually there was two deer further back around the corner which ones I'd seen earlier and they'd come a bit closer so we um we start wandering back off and I, I Jeff takes the muzzle loader um again we've reloaded it and we see a deer at about 100 yards and he takes a kneeling shot and misses it and then, so that's sort of the end of that. But we, we reload it, obviously, because we're going to go all the way back and we're hoping to shoot another spiker or something for Jeff. And <clears throat> no luck on the way back. So uh, at that point, Leon, he's around by this point. He's got out of bed. And we, we, we're hanging the deer up. And obviously, we've got this loaded muzzle loader. And like, again, it's... There's, you can unload one with a special corkscrew, which we had, but it's not a safe thing to do, right? It's a it's a loaded cartridge, uh, a loaded um, well, not a chamber, but... You get the idea. So we've had a Jeff. Leon says, hey, you might as well go for, go for a walk around here. This little area points out in the area. Um, and might as well unload it on a goat or a deer if you spot one. So Leon and I, we bugger off for breakfast. And we, we just, we have cook, I cook a really bad bacon and egg breakfast. It was horrendous. And then um, we noticed Jeff's been gone for about an hour and a half, two hours. And we think, shit, maybe something's gone wrong. So we decide we'll go out to look for him. And we, we, we wander just up the uh, track and... There's Jeff and he's come back and he's got a bit of blood on him, not his own blood, and he's so he's actually he's gone somewhere else, <laughs> and he so he's managed to to um, smack over a deer with the muzzleloader too, and I think he he actually took me up there and showed me where he'd done it because we we went and helped retrieve the deer in the end he he'd got it down to the track and it was like a, it was quite a steep downhill shot about thirty eight degrees downhill I think it was about seventy meters um, and his one was a bit more like a, what you a textbook shoulder shot behind the shoulder has done a similar thing reared up backwards fell over and dead but it fell down a, a bit of a um a cliff into a gut with a with a creek and so he had turns out he had a, he'd actually shot the deer a reasonable amount of time ago he just had to um <laughs> drag it out i think he might even have to string it up and use a rope and all sorts of things to get it down to the uh, where we could get a um we took the ute to his one which was good but um yeah, so which was pretty, and I'm pretty sure where he was. It was, I think it may have been the one I mucked up on that early, earlier that morning. The um, the the light, nice skinned um, uh, fellow spiker. So nice skin, it was pretty cool. And so Jeff was pretty stoked too because he'd, well, oh, I think his muzzleloader experience was next to zero, apart from the few shots he'd taken with that rifle previously that morning. So um, he managed to slide another one. And so you know we're both pretty stoked with ourselves. We had a goal of doing this and um and, and then i had to so i clean you got to clean these bloody things because they rust like buggery if you leave black powder fouling in them so 
give it a good clean and put it away for the day and um and then sort of we went to the sort of traditional long range guns we normally hunt with but um it's a bit of a buzz again because i think i guess you use this sort of um like even the, a basic hunting setup now is so capable and so when you sort of go back and use this primitive stuff it, uh, <laughs> especially like i know a lot of a lot of guys bush hunt and they do close range stuff and stalking but i do i haven't done a lot of like sneaking around after animals since i was a young fella you know we used to hunt with bow and arrows and stuff in archery so or you know sks's with hindsight so uh, it was cool to get back and do a bit of that again whereas for the last sort of six years we've been shooting things uh, longer distance well you know even 100 meters right this with the muzzle idea like oh this can be a little bit of a hard shot depending if i go prone or if i go shoot up whatever situation is but I mean, with a modern, even just a two to three, a hundred meter shots piece of piss, two hundred meter shots piece of piss. So, um, and then you, you know, get some of the six fives and three oh eights and magnums, and okay, now that four hundred meters is a lot simpler. So it was fun to um, to sh- sort of shoot this old stuff, and um, yeah, and then so we did that, and then um, and then Jeff finally had breakfast, and then we went for a sort of a midday um, mission up sort of over the back of the farm and. Uh, yeah, kicked off pretty quick there, and we ended up um, pushing the tally out to thirteen for the three of us. So between Leon, um, Jeff, and I, um, again, I took the, the get, muzzle loader went away. I grabbed the, the sour um, six five PRC field shoot. Uh, it's got a Zeiss uh, Conquest V four six twenty four by fifty. Uh, so it's a second focal plane MOA scope. Um, yeah, and um, we. Yeah, we sort of got to where we were going and spotted one straight away, so I shot that and then, then another one took off and Jeff shot that and then another two popped out and I shot one and then Jeff was going to shoot the other one but he sort of lost where it went to because it's sort of young pines and it can be really hard to um, describe to someone where a deer is if there's no major sort of land features. You know, you sort of, you sort of tell them, oh yeah, look by those trees over there and it's sort of, unless there's a rock or something you can point out. So anyway, I ended up shooting another deer and... Then we went over the back and yeah, we ended up shooting a bunch more and so it was quite a good um it was quite a good test of the PRC actually. It was quite windy conditions. Um I'm shooting the one forty three LDX, which is I don't have a great love for the X projectiles, but to be fair, um it performed pretty well. I'm, I mean I connected with bone on everything, but it um yeah, just just dropped them so Oh, oh actually one shot was maybe a little bit far back and it staggered about for maybe 30 seconds but yeah PRC was good good in the windy conditions and the recalls um, obviously it's more than the, um, the 6.5 Creed um, but yeah recalls fine um, I'm still I still haven't got the recall management down perfect but I'm able to watch my shots pretty well and um, yeah it's, it's, it's definitely again I don't shoot a lot of real big animals like reds or um anything like that but on the medium stuff um it's i mean obviously people before me have used it plenty for hunting but it's working fine um i've actually got some of the 147s in um and so that'll be fun to have a play of those in the same gun and see what they do but um yeah again the other side was pretty uneventful it was just sort of nice easy um mostly prone um more pest control than hunting because the earlier stuff with the muzzleloader was definitely you know stalking and hunting but this this side of it was just spot and shoot at a bit of distance from, from about 200 out to 400 meters maybe a touch more um yeah one shot i had to do a high um like a really uncomfortable high prone with some bags you know like actually it might have even been a, a sitting with yeah, it was a sitting sorry with bags piled up to give me a um a, uh, a bit of a position in the long summer grass but um yeah, it was good uh, we actually spotted a red deer too when we were up there but it was on the neighboring property about a, a mile away um which is pretty cool to see I've, I've heard a few rumors that on that property there's a few uh reds running around and i've seen some trail cam footage but other than footprints i've never seen anything um i lie we found a, a cast spike once but yeah, so we've seen a red there, which was interesting. Um, but uh, obviously not, not on the place we were hunting. So who knows, maybe we might pull a couple of reds out of there one day. I um, I imagine they're starting to get pretty established. And in 10 years, they'll probably be a normal thing in some parts of Wanganui. 
Actually, you shot a couple reds recently in Wanganui, didn't you? Yes, no, maybe. You're muted. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah. Um, it was a block where I've only ever shot fellow, but um, ended up battling through the cutover pine trees trying to drag a red hind. It's a bit bigger than a fellow. By... So, yeah. They we knew they were there, but we hadn't seen them before actually. So yeah, it was good. Um, quite a yeah, a bit more flighty than the fellow we were anyway around that block. So are they? Yes. Yep. Oh, well, okay. where they were, I don't know. It's yep. just because the the block had been thinned and stuff, so there's a lot of trash on the ground. So probably made it harder for them to get around. Yep. And away from us a bit. Yep. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's, I mean, it's I mean, it's say what you want, whether it's good, bad, them being there, but it's, it's interesting to see. Um, and I mean, we shoot a lot of fallow deer, and obviously a zillion goats and stuff, but um, so shooting the old red's quite a treat. But um, yeah, uh, again, like I said, it was pretty, it was pretty, um, uh, just normal what we do up there after that, and then we um, yeah, went back and. Uh, they sort of divvied up what, who, who was taking what and you know, Jeff took about six tons of venison back to Auckland which is good um, he eats a lot of it which is cool um, I took several deer and I gifted every single piece of it away I'm, um, I'm lucky enough to have a pretty constant supply of, um, of meat being on the farm so um, a bunch of friends who uh, you know the guy whose muzzleloader it is um, so it was, sorry I should say it wasn't my muzzleloader I borrowed it off a friend. He's in his mid eighties. He's black powder mad, and he was very keen for it to uh, shoot a deer. So he he'll he can eat um, some venison that was shot with his muzzleloader. Which I mean, it's he, he's into that, and I think it's pretty cool. Bunch of workmates again who can't get out hunting or don't have access or whatever. Um, so yeah, and um, so it got spread around before Christmas, which is nice um, for those people who enjoy eating it and and can't get some themselves. And then. Um, yeah, that, that about wrapped up the trip. Actually, it was good fun. It was good hanging out with Jeff and Leon. And, um, we probably we might get Leon on the podcast one day, but he probably swears a bit much. And uh, <laughs> for those of you who know, him. but um, but Jeff again, it was good hanging out with Jeff. Um, he's been uh, locked in uh, uh, the prison of Paramaramu for the last hundred and something days. Um, poor bugger. And so he, uh, <coughs> first chance, he um, he abandoned ship and which is good and um yeah so that that was good fun um mark was meant to come but he had farming stuff come up which normally always happens about this time of year when we go has to share sheep and stuff sharing sharing yeah um i just talked to my before the before the podcast and we've planned to go on that many hunts together and it's never ever planned out so we've hunted done pest control on on his place and a couple neighboring properties around him heaps of times um over the last four or five years but we've never managed to actually tee up a hunt and it's not as if we haven't had like getting the place to go hunting's never been the issue it's just timing and we book it in and something turns to shit or um yeah but well i guess we'll try again soon um but yeah so that that's that was my uh, sort of standard uh, wanganui um hunting and culling i guess you'd call it uh, but it was good to get that muzzleloader yeah. ticked off uh next time it's i'm probably going to try a flintlock which is a little bit harder slower ignition system for those of you who know what that is or care and then you know as I slowly go backwards and less um, more archaic with how I try and shoot things but anyway so Mark you took a trip a bit, little bit more of a substantial trip um, you want to run us through a bit of that um, sort of what you where you yeah. went, what you hunted what you took uh, what rifle you took um, good the bad the other bit of a reunion reunion tour really so we went over to Taupo into a private block we used to fly into for years. Every December we'd fly in with fixed wings, um, hunting seeker. So, and we've been for oh, I've been a couple of times in the last six years, uh, different times. But prior to that, um, we used to go every year. But the fixed wings stopped, and then um, basically it was all helicopter access. So, four of us have been a few times together in the past. Decided to go back again to a familiar place where we know the block well. You look up and down two river valleys, so it's um, 
yeah, a lot of scrub now compared to when we first started hunting there. But um, so I dragged out the 260 Remington, so and took that. Thought it'd be ideal. So th- this, sorry, this Pretty. is the Sarko carbon light. Yeah, Sarko carbon light. I, yep. I, here's me uh, thinking that thing had been um, sort of condemned to the back of the cupboard, never to be seen again, <laughs> unless it was in a gun show or something. <clears throat> no, it did. It did the uh, Tarada true wall shoot last year. True, it did this year. This it, year, it's actually. It's. I mean, it's a Sarko. It works well, but it's. It's very with factory ammo. It performs, doesn't it? It's a good gun, so it's good to see. Yeah. it's getting some use. So I had the. Uh, it's got the Night Force attacker on it, four to sixteen. So sort of over, overly weighty scope on a really light gun. But no, no, it was good. Uh, I essentially I've got a whole heap of hundred and twenty-nine grain SST stuff that I bought quite some time ago, and I think that was the only Hornady load they had. It was the only thing I could get at the time, I think. Yeah, at the time it was been awesome. Remington, Remington core locked or some crap. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's so that is so bad. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I've shot some of that out of my one. Yeah. <laughs> so I sort of um, I changed my rangefinder, the Sig one over, put the data in for that, so it actually just and changed it to mils, so I could just range it, and it would give me the data straight away. So I'm just looking at the phone, so I could just carry that around. Um, yeah, so it's sort of a block where you get quite a few fleeting shots if you're lucky over the years. Or the earlier years, I uh, couldn't hit a barn door and spent most of my time drunk. So, um, not hunting, of course, but at the hut. <laughs> so, so, so this year was reverse world. Instead of shooting nothing, I um, ended up getting a few. So, uh, early bird gets the worm. So, we went out the first evening before dark to have a look around and sort of went two different directions we went up over a place called Seeker Saddle and up the valley sort of got a fleeting look at a couple at distance that were sort of moving ahead of us but they were in the scrub line by then so um yes yeah, so we sort of just regrouped sort of got our bit you know went around the bit of a look at the block and got familiar with the spots so you can look off because often you can look a lot down to the river valley off different spots from a we're on a, like a terrace or a plateau above the river so you've got to find these spots again where you can basically have a good look over and look down into these clearings that range from sort of 130 below you to 600 meters probably across up you know up or down the valley sort of thing so and you go there during the day and you know if you're crossing over to the river or something for a fish and you can see the activities there, but um, yeah, you got to be real patient for something to pop out. I mean, I've been there a number of years, but um, we'd, I took the spotter this time, which was a good decision. So I'd take one change of clothes, saving weight, and the spotter made up the difference. So, and with the tripod, and actually starting to look further out, so we could see and waiting around and. And there's some faces way across the room from us. And I think on the first, yeah, the first morning, we were there early. And I think we counted well in excess of 60. Might have been up to 80 deer. This is a long way in the distance, though. Yep. And and we were looking at it. Going, no, that's deer, yeah, definitely. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, they're all, and they're all seeker. So, it was, uh, yeah, there's heaps of deer there. But a long way from us, um, across, crossing up the valley. So, I think uh, first morning I spied one at about 465 metres. So I waited a while, had a look at it, thought, righto, it's doable. So I didn't take a bipod or anything, I just thought I would use either the trigger stick or just day pack supported. And that worked really well, just off the day pack. So dialed it up, wind was pretty negligible, and... Um, yeah, just dropped it, so it was good. Did we just have it, tuck it in behind the shoulder, did you, the bullet? Yeah, uh, that one just behind the shoulder, so it didn't hit any bone, pretty much. Just knocked it knocked it out. Nice. Um, so that, that, that your ammo is, from memory, is the Hornaday Super Performance? 
Is it yeah. great? So that's shooting with yeah. a 1390 CST or 130 something? Yeah, 129. Yeah, 129 CST. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's a pretty wicked bullet, actually, for um, being quite good on game, I thought. So that's awesome. No, and it's the rifle I haven't actually altered since I got it. It was it belonged to someone else, and I picked it up from the estate. Um, so I hadn't actually changed anything with it. I just shoot, you know, I haven't even bothered to change the zero. So... <laughs> It's just um, it was, it's yeah, it's set up and it goes. It's good. Yeah. Um, probably yeah, certainly noticeably lighter compared to what I normally carry around now because I'm always probably carting a heavier gun around to try and get some practice with it, sort of thing. So, uh, where is that? Yeah, so we, you know, that in that barrel on that gun, that ammo is doing about two thousand six hundred and thirty feet per second. So it's not super performancing at the end of it. So. No, no, it's pretty slow, really, isn't it? I remember we, I did some shooting yeah. with it oh, a year or two ago, and it was pretty awesome, actually. Like even like that factory ammo. I mean, it should be okay, but it was at, I think it was five hundred meters. I was printing like a, like a three inch group at five hundred meters or something. Like it was pretty impressive. So yeah. I mean, for that smaller deer, little medium range, um, obviously it's working well. Um, so did you wander over and get that deer then, or did you say it was the evening? Sorry, well, so I, I think I got up at f- I got up at five, yeah, and went out. I must have shot at about six, and then I sort of went straight back to the to the hut. I thought they'd all be awake and out hunting, but no, they're all still <laughs> in bed. So, <laughs> so I said, right, I'm off to go and grab this deer. So I just grab some rope and knives and stuff because I didn't actually take anything with me that morning I thought I'll just go and have a look and lo and behold shot one so yeah then down down across the valley up along the river and basically picked it up um, mate of mine came with me gave me a hand to load it up and I carried it back so thought I'd get all the hard work out of the day on day one so because quite a steep climb kind of out of that yeah, it's high, but it's just pretty vertical. So I got that in the meat safe, so that was pressure off then. So um, that evening, everyone was well, out the, during the day, we went and had a look around further, but um, we could see some at long, you know, a long way off, fleeting glimpses, glimpses of, you know, six or seven hundred, not really worth having a crack at. Um, then that evening, uh, I, went, I went out with um, Hordy for a shoot and um, we sort of we ended up spying a, a stag over the river um, on the edge I thought oh god we should go over and get him but thankfully uh, Hordy shot him and he walked across the river and died so he was on our oh he walked back to you he was your recoverable side so it was good yeah 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 yeah. oh he wasn't he was on an angle up river but yeah he um, actually crossed the river to our side and then carked it. So, so was Hordy shooting the 30 so That was pretty good. Got him. No, no, he had a three oh eight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so and so. What I, I, I didn't take a gun. I just we just took one gun and I use I'll use his. I said so. Cause yeah. I just set it up for him again, and I was a bit worried it wouldn't shoot straight. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in the end. Yeah, then I had to go crack at one that ran out a bit later underneath us. Um, and that was only about 130 odd metres away. So I hit it and it sort of walked 10 feet and stopped and then I shot it again because I wasn't sure. And um, something dropped out of it and I'd shot the the Bambi out of it. You know, so that that was uh, a dead, dead hind. So and pretty bad shot for the follow-up yeah and then we went back to the other end of the block we thought we'll go track back now because i've shot up here we might as well go back the other way and um end up seeing one at about four i think it was just over 350 meters and um it's got a bdc type reticle and he said oh it's definitely the third one down and i had a crack at it and 
think it went all over top and I was like nah. so I actually looked at the data again and thought no nah, that's not right so for the next one we saw one at 310 metres I think and I had a crack at that and dropped it straight away with the 308 firing 165s it was actually ELD match ammo yep. for a 308 yeah so and I redid the data and then we saw there was one just a bit further out that we saw and um It was 360, so about 18 inches of drop. So I just basically lined up because it's had its head up and it went slightly below its head, which dropped below the 18 inches would have been a good shot. So it smacked away and it it dropped as well. So it's probably the first time in a while I've managed to smoke three deer without them running away. This all dead on the spot. So nice, nice. And then was the mission to go and get them. So um, in two of those, we basically cut all the meat out of them on the spot rather than carry them all the way back up so because I'd done a bit of damage in the front of both of those so yeah yeah so I think I had four on the board by then so and Hordy won so the other guys we tried um Darren had his 306 and he missed a bit of a it was a real hard shot on the first night like really poor position wobbly sort of thing just on dark yeah so it was about yeah it's just a real wasn't a good position to shoot from or for sort of a, a sharp bank trying to use a the tripod which had no footing sort of thing so it was yeah a bit crap then uh the hoodie uh no Trent had his 300 wood mag which is a fully suppressed uh Tika one it's quite a, it was back when fully suppressed barrels were, were all the rage for a brief period yep. it's a nice gun uh, and it's got a Carlos 4 to 12 scope, which has got a BDC reticle. Anyway, so we're looking at this deer <laughs> across the valley, and I go, What's your zero? Because I sort of had some rough data on my phone about for his gun, and it's like a 270 yard zero, I think, to give him. Anyway, and the and the marks are all, but I couldn't find the, the details on the scope in my app, so we sort of had to wing it. So I just sort of estimated all the, because this deer was four, ooh, might have been f closer to 500, and unfortunately we didn't have, yeah, some concrete information on where to go, so I did the best I could, and we didn't, we'd never done velocity on his, he was shooting 200 grain LDXs, yeah, so, so I basically said, I think we ended up basically saying go to about nine inches above the shoulder. And I think it still went underneath. Yeah, because it. So, so he said you said he had a two hundred and seventy meter zero. Yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, has he been watching Ron Spomer outdoors? Is he? I don't know. Is it trying to get maximum point blank range? Yeah, but is it, if it, I mean, if you've got BDC hashes of some description, then you just work out what those mean. But okay, each their own. My neighbour's been trying I mean, to no, no, he's, me he's, I mean, it's a bloody... It's a good gun. He's smoked a lot of stuff with it at long range, so... I just think he hasn't used it enough lately to be familiar with it, if you know yeah. what I mean. That, yeah. I, I think the, 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 it's an interesting topic, though. The, the maximum point-blank range was a big thing before we had affordable, reliable dialing scopes that, you know, with easy um, uh, elevation turrets that you could sort of... Um, and zero stops and stuff like that, so... Yeah, I yeah. don't know. And now it's kind of for for me. My opinion is it's um, uh, yeah, a lot of it's uh, yeah. I don't know. You don't you don't necessarily need it now. Um, with with how affordable scopes and range yeah. finders are. Like if you don't know what your range is, and you've got a, a good point blank, um, you know, uh, then then okay, you're like, well, I know it's inside three hundred yards, and it's like oh, I'm just going to shoot it in the shoulder. So there's I guess there's some merit there, but. That's, I don't know, not for me. No, no, yeah, I, the 300 wind mag I set up the other day, um, we decided to, yeah, to have like a 200 meter zero, and we looked at all the, the data table, you know, mm. and that that would give him, I think, out to about 270 meters before he really dropped. Yeah, yes. much, I think know. so. Yeah. <laughs> this is where I sort of contradict myself, but. I like a 200 meter zero on a hunting gun. For the most yeah. part, I will zero at 100 and I will dial to two and I'll 
have it just dialed um, and just walk around set at 200 but um, yeah it's so I, I do like it for that because like you say now I sound like Ron Spomer but they're, they're those quick you know and to be fair even in some medium range competitions I'll have it um, halfway zero set and then just instead of having to waste time um, transitioning between different um, holds or or um, dialing I can just you know shoot and I know it'll be this high or this low but as for longer range stuff yeah it's never something I've been hugely into yeah well what I said to him what it means is all you need for this gun now really for hunting because what it's going what it's doing with it is you got your out to 250 you're pretty good right sort of thing there's a rough rule and then I said all you got to know what 3, 4 and 5 are in terms of dialing keep those three numbers and you're fine sort of thing you know type of thing as a rough rule rather than having all the bits and bobs and you know yeah. ranging it and stuff and calculating it because if you know your um, 300 and your 400 dial you can pretty much then split the difference or whatever if it's ranging in between that sort of thing if, you, if you're you know for what, for what he's not really done a lot of dialing so yeah, it's sort of thing that you think well let's set it up so you don't have to worry about it too much. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. I bump into still bump into guys that are intimidated by dialing. Um, to be fair, when I first got into precision style stuff, I was intimidated by dialing. I was thinking, I'll just use um, mill dots. You know, I'll use mill dots, not realizing that we don't really have mill dots in our scopes. We've got mill reds, you anyway, but um, or MOA. But um, yeah, and so I was the same. Uh, a friend of mine who shoots one or two comps a year, he he still holds over everything, even in medium range stuff. He'll um, he'll just hold it over. He's using now. He is using Embraer, but this is what he likes to do, um, and he's comfortable yeah, but doing this, it. This yeah. long zero intrigued me, and I did start looking into it. Like at hundred meters, you're three inches high almost, or something like that. So it was it's re- getting really high. You know what I mean? At that that short medium range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I thought once you got that sorted, then it, it sort of pushes out. Yeah. What you'd say, point bank range for that thing to a quite a long way but um but like anything it's not a non-dialing scope and everything so you basically got to rely on your bdc marks if you can remember what they are yeah and and that you're on the correct power for what you worked out they were so yes oh yeah yeah. so anyway so we've been rambling on like um (laughs) bdc um so okay so you you ended up with 4d you said for the weekend weekend away yeah Yep. Nice, it's pretty good. So it's good. It's probably some total of my first 10 years there. So when you first started going out there, you said you didn't have a lot of luck just due to your... um, Well, I took a Mini 30 once, twice, (laughs) maybe three times. And 7.6239, which is, of all the Mini action calibers, probably the shittest. Um, And I've shot Mm. a lot of it. And And then I took a Mossberg... 500 pump action with buckshot what <laughs> yeah what were you planning on doing with that I don't know getting in close <laughs> God, bit fuck. of trench warfare yes <laughs> okay <laughs> oh cool uh, but, no, but so now obviously um, um, in the last um, sort of four or five years your uh, shooting abilities have improved tenfold um, being that you yeah, are maybe my current Tirada champion choice of choice of equipment probably yeah I mean I hate that it comes with it doesn't it but um oh cool so it sounds like you had a good time and um did Darren get one in the end no oh come on Darren this is why he's B2 anyway um and then what do you are you able to pack out all of the meat and equipment in one flight out or you have to get two flights back out uh, I think this time we worked out we're better off to take two flights in and two flights out. Yep, so you, you what weight you shed in food you take out and um and meat? No well you for example, the squirrel um Is that a helicopter? Costs more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Costs more, can carry four people any gear, but you got less gear you can take. So whereas you took the use five hundred twice, you could take more gear. And it is a similar price? Uh, it's about 300 bucks more for two flights with the, with the 500 but you're, like but you're not nearly as weight conscious 
No, okay. which is the whole thing with the fix the fix swings we used to do was you could carry a, a shit ton of important things like beer. Oh, okay, yeah. But so, okay, so that the runways beer. are all overgrown now. Are the, the airstrips? Yeah. So there's no more aircraft. And I used to spend mornings cutting out firewood with a handsaw, which used to drive me nuts. So you know, I took the electric chainsaw this time. And <laughs> you took your electric chainsaw in there. Yeah, did two days work in half an hour. So for those of you who have been privy to uh, setting up an event of, uh, of ours, you may have seen Mark and his chainsaw. He'll, anything you point at, he'll chop down in a heartbeat. So it's, um... <laughs> wow, okay. I, actually, to be fair, I think there's even been a request for you to bring the electric chainsaw when we go to Ohini in May. There you go. So we can build another Manuka prop. Anyway. <laughs> oh, okay, anyway. So, uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I'll forget it then. Yeah. Um, no, you won't. You love it. You'll take that before you took your own. Oh, it's a, hut, it's a hut with a, um, a wet, wet back and a, a running shower and a flushing toilet, so... Oh, wow. Um, albeit getting, getting a bit worse for wear. The hut is deteriorating a little, but anyway, that's... Uh, Just lack of maintenance, is it? It's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. Some of those visitors seem to always... What they get in their head, but they're putting holes in the roof and stuff, or floors or walls. Um, yeah. It's a bit sad. That's it's a shame. nice old. It was bloody good. You know, I've been going there for a long time, so it's just getting a bit more effed every time you go in. So yeah, yes. Well, anyway, so I think that's a good spot. We'll, we'll we'll head back again one day. So maybe I'll come with you next time. I, I think you asked me, but it's my daughter's birthday, so I um. You keep telling yourself that, Graham. Yeah, yeah. I asked you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I totally would have gone, but uh, <laughs> I, no, um, I would have, but I couldn't. <laughs> too, too fucking spending all my money on projectiles can't afford fucking the helicopters. Uh, cool. I think any uh, last last comments on your hunting trip? Don't mate? bring Graham. We'll just lecture us about our crappy shit. Huh? I'm, 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 so I lecture. Don't bring Graham. We'll just lecture us on our terrible shooting. <laughs> or your fucking stupid zeros and. Guessing. Um, no. Yeah. It sounds like a the good fun trip. How did zero to that for? <laughs> That's my conversation with my next door neighbour like every once a week. It was 270. Anyway, um, sounds so like... No, we, had all, we, had, we had all the... We had the, the full range. We had the 3006, the 300 Win Mag, the 260 Remington and the 308, so... What was your what was your favourite? 260? I was actually... Because um, thinking of swapping my thermal gun at home to a 308 but then I realised the recoil from those 165 grainers is the same as the 270 firing 130 grainers so it's actually no difference pointless that 270 of yours I mean for when we um, culling things that's pretty good though because we were culling inside a couple hundred well, metres with the heavier stock it's made a difference yeah, yeah. I mean that M- MDT LSS Gen Two XL, yeah, that's it. Got it. Yeah, so it's a good, good. Uh, it's a weightier gun now, yeah, which is, makes a difference because the straight, standard Tika one with the light stock and stuff still does. But yeah, it's just more the shooting at night with the recoil would be great to have less. Well, I mean, when, when so I'm when, trying to think of what I'm going to do. When you're sh- any ideas, let me know. When you're shooting that, it's generally six nine Grendel. Well, when you're shooting that, you're usually off the bike. Maybe walk a couple hundred meters. It's it's not so. It's not as if that extra kilo of guns a big deal, is it? It's generous. Well, I'm just thinking. No, sometimes when we walk up on the terraces, we park down the bottom and walk oh, walk to the back. So high, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The pain. Um, I think to be fair, I think that's a pretty good setup, and you could probably leave it alone. But um, that you know, no doubt, um, Jeff will offer you something, or Tyler will offer you something. To spend your money on, um, yeah, two seventy is good as much as people had set. Um, and so to two sixty Remington did the job, which is cool. Everyone sort of winds me up about shooting a lot of six fives, but they work pretty good. Um, any closing thoughts on our um, hunting slash pest control slash BDC episode, mate? No, oh, there's a few things, a few new bits of news come out. I think Marlon Ruger has putting out Marlin guns again for the first time since they took it over from a bankrupted Remington so I think that's um, yeah that should be cool because I mean Ruger make a pretty good gun and Marlin towards the end were making a pretty shit gun so hopefully we've um, bring the standard of the old um, lever actions up again um, 
Yeah, well, I did actually read the 1895 Marlin, the live reaction, yeah, out in 4570 government. Anyway, and I was reading about all the changes they'd made from when Marlin was making, and I was like, man, Marlin must have yeah. been using prehistoric gear at the end there. I don't know. No, no, no offence to Marlin lovers. Sorry. Well, there's a lot of nice old Marlins. Immediately but below you... someone's yeah. Ruger's Collie's grip. Oh god, here we go. Oh, I've always hey, we shoot we shoot a fair few Rugers. I mean, we've had a few, you've had a few issues with the two two, but the RPR two two. But I mean, the the Centerfires, the ten twenty twos, they're pretty good. Um, my Mini thirty, my Mini fourteen, all great. Yeah, well, we're not allowed to talk about Going those. Through we'll, ammo, we'll get arrested. Oh. Um, were were well, they were about. great? <laughs> um, they were great. I mean, hey, RPR three three eight, like shooting pretty good groups at a thousand meters i mean um anyway so yeah um also one thing i'm just getting excited about lever actions again which is cool you know, i've seen those citadel well that's what i was just going to bring out so outdoor sports oh, one, of, on. one of my sort of um long time supporters is um bringing in friends yeah um the citadel lever actions which are uh, i believe a um because that old the designs that older than 94s it's um anyone can make them so it's a, I'm not sure where the Citadel's made, but they're a sort of tactical um, lever action with a sort of uh, aluminium forend, a um, threaded for a suppressor, um, and I think they're available in 357 mag, so also 38 special, yeah. and 44 mag, which uh-huh. can also take 44 special, and 454 Casul, which is a 458 or whatever it's called, um, a one of the big yeah four five four yeah which is one of the big um, cartridges that were made for the AR platforms for sort of getting a bit bit more power I, I imagine for shooting pigs or hogs or something in the states um, yeah so I, whether there's any of those ones in the country the four fifty fours um, to be fair you'd probably struggle to find any ammunition you could shoot in BAR, <laughs> which rules it <laughs> yeah, out for you do that. Um, but they look like a cool gun um, and, and to be fair they are priced really well. They are cheap. They come with a rail, threaded, yeah, aluminium forend. Then they're large. Some of them are large loop as well, which is cool, which is so you... Um, it just look cool, to be fair. I don't think it actually adds much to the gun, but... Truck gun. Yeah, hey, for, I mean, close-range goats and, and pigs and, um, uh, yeah, cool cool gun, fun Possums. gun. Possum. Yeah, I Good guess, as long gun. as there's a backstop behind your tree. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, if anyone's... Shoot, shoot them on the... Only ground shoot possums make it fair. That's that's true. So you'd like poke them out of a not tree, with, not while they're in the air. So you poke them out of the tree, they're stuck, and then shoot them on the ground. Is that you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to be fair, they're I'm, a ground dwelling animal. I'm pretty certain Mark will have one of these in about a month. So we'll have some. We'll talk about it. You, get, you thinking 44 mag or 357? Yeah, 44. You reckon? Oh, I have a 44 magnum lever action. I actually do. And it's shit. I know you do, but, but this this has got a rubber I've butt never pad, really... so that looks far nicer to shoot. Mine mine's one of the Marlins, and it's got the. i not. I don't have a lot. Yes. I've never really had anything to do with three five seven Magnum, so enlighten yeah. me. It's just a bit less recoil. <laughs> it's still pretty grunty. Um, ah. And thirty eight specials, not, like when you just want to muck around and plink, you just shoot thirty eight special, and it's real mild. And you can do the same forty four special for the um for really? the for the Magnums. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's like a slightly shorter and. Um, Someone may correct me, but slightly short, a little bit less grunt, and so you just um. Will it load out of the tube? Yep. Yeah. yeah, as long oh. as it's um, in spec, I guess. Yeah, well, I know a lot of cowboy action yeah. guys who have forty-four mag chambered lever guns because they're a bit more prolific and easy to get, and they just shoot forty-four yeah. special because obviously cowboy action they shoot still really close, so you don't want to or need to shoot a magnum at like fifteen meters on steel. Um, yeah, I'm almost tempted to get one of these myself. What the. F- what I'll do with it, I have no idea. Probably about as much as you'd do with your one. But um, actually, you've already got a tactical lever action. You've got your Marlin Dark and thirty. I do. It's a thirty thirty though. I've already got that. So yeah. <laughs> um, another another gun you'll never see again. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, how we got onto this topic, but they're cool, and we might plow them in the future. Um, yeah. I feel I need one though for some reason. You do have some sort of use case for it. You, I think you should get a three fifty seven one though. Because with that M lock four end, I can like put a laser and shit on it. 
<laughs> you, yes, you can. <laughs> but I mean, you could, I can. You, yes, could put, I can. you could put a um, uh, like a scout scope on it because it's got the um, the rail on the forehand. Because you you cannot these here you cannot put a rail on top of the action because it's a, a top eject. So you have to put your scope forward, or you'd put a. Um, uh, Hollow Sun five ten C. That's what you've got on your ten twenty two, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, this is probably not the podcast for us to discuss the um, inner working. No, 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 it is. It is decision making no, on we'll, buying we'll... more guns. I think we will wrap this one up here. So thank you for listening to episode thirty one of the Precision Unloaded podcast. Um, we hope you all have a. We'll give you the cliche exit. We hope you all have a safe uh, Christmas and New Year. You might get another podcast for the end of the year if you're really lucky, but not before Christmas. So again, um, again, if you get out shooting, make sure you're not drinking. Put that away afterwards, and hopefully you get a bit of summer venison or shoot some goats or something, and um, and maybe your wife will buy you a new gun for Christmas. But I highly doubt that. Anyway, thank you once again. And or a hollow sun five ten C. Is it? Are you saying that so your wife hears you and buys you one? No, I'm saying it. That's what I think it should be on this liberation. Oh, okay, okay. Red dot. <laughs> anyway, I think you're for um, listening. Once and again. if you want to buy me a present. Yep, anyone out there buy me a present. Or one of, of, or, red dots or one of Mark's pack. new t-shirts he alluded to earlier. Well, awesome <laughs> Sabre Tactical gear. Anything Sabre Tactical. Yeah, to be fair, I've got more Sabre Tactical stuff coming in the mail. I can't get enough of it. Anyway, uh, thank you once again for the fifth time. A dog harness? We'll, we'll, we'll see you all next time. Bye. <laughs>